God's word, and uh, I, I believe that uh, all these six weeks that you have attended the classes there has been a, a blessing. The, your Bible reading style has changed the way you observe observe the word and uh, learn the word. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful evening. We thank you for getting us together in your holy presence. We commit ourselves, you and us, we are going to study once again how to study your word. Be with us, teach us, build us, transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise God. I'll just... Um, Can you see the? Can you see the screen? Yes, Pastor. Okay. Thank you. Now can uh, yeah. Yeah, can see now. Okay, how to study the Bible? Actually, this is the seventh week, and uh, two more weeks for us. Uh, I mean, one more week, and I I hope uh, it has helped you. And before we go in. Uh, can you tell me how this Bible study has helped you? Okay, there are just uh, seven of you here. And uh, if you could, uh, tell me how this Bible study has helped you. Uh, Dr. Priscilla is there, Sister Grissel, Sister Sheila, Sister Preeti Mala. Of course, some of you were not attend, uh, did not uh, attend some of the classes uh, on one side, on the other side. I've not given all the notes, but I will be giving all the notes soon. Um, so I just wanted to know from you. Can you unmute and tell me, one or two of you? Yes, good evening, Pastor. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, Pastor. It's really helpful where we can deeply understand the word of God that I'm learning. So thank you for that, making us understand this Bible study. So I want to thank you, Pastor. God, I'm so glad that it's helping you to study the word so deeply. Mm. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not an art, but it's like an mm. art. You practice yeah. it, the more your senses will become very tuned to gather information from the passage. And that will help yeah. you to understand God's word. Deeply. Yeah. One yeah. person, please, and then we would... Uh, Yeah, good evening, Pastor. Good evening, Sister. Uh, it was a nice study, Pastor. I missed one or two classes, but uh, the classes that I attended, I really, I'm really blessed by uh, with the study. You know, to how to read God's word and uh, you know how to get deeper into the into the word. Uh, it's been a wonderful study for me. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It will, it will really transform the way you understand the Bible and you will become so uh, so passionate about studying the Bible you know, as you practice this, all of us. Okay, let's go to the study. Uh, how to study the Bible and uh, some more practical rules for interpreting the Bible passages you're reading. And it's extremely important for us to know well uh, the, the passages that we are reading. 
and interpreting it properly is good. As much as you gather information on how to uh, interpret the Bible and uh, interpret the passages, it really help you. And uh, this uh, rule will really help you. Now, the number one rule: read the Bible like any other book. Okay, read the Bible like any other book. Uh, it doesn't mean this is an important rule. It doesn't mean that the Bible is like any other book that you read uh, in every uh, respect. Uh, in the Bible, uh, no, you know that a verb is a verb, is a noun, and is a noun. That means you know truth stands and it can't be changed. And uh, the Bible, uh, the next one is the Bible itself bears testimony to its truthfulness, and this is confirmed by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We don't need outside evidence to confirm its truthfulness. You know, when you are uh, reading a newspaper, uh, you have to confirm if the news is true. I remember very well many years ago, uh, there was a, a caption on a newspaper, a famous newspaper, sorry, a famous newspaper uh, uh, that uh, said uh, that uh, Virapan was uh, captured. In fact, it was not true. One, one minute, please. One minute, please. And um, sorry, please. Um, so it said Virapan was captured. But the other newspapers uh, did not say so. You know, I read the Hindu newspaper, being uh, from a Chennai, Chennai for a long time, I read the Hindu newspaper, and it did not say anything. And uh, then later on, we came to know it was a false information. So sometimes newspapers give false information, even books, you know, some books are very biased. So today I was reading a book uh, from, um, uh, I don't want to name the source, uh, you know, online. And uh, they were attacking another political party and, uh, and uh, the views of that political party, I was reading it. And uh, that is on one side, that's their narrative. Then if you read the narrative of another uh, newspaper or you know, website, uh, which is aligned to a different view, they would go a different uh, view of uh, what they think. So you find that uh, it is not so with the Bible. You don't need to confirm you don't need confirm. One minute, please. One minute. Please. Sorry. Sorry, because I'm living in a different room altogether, not in a private room. I'm getting these disturbances. Um, so you find that the Bible, uh, you don't need another book to confirm you know its evidence whether it is true or not okay i'm sure the spirit of god itself you know speaks to our hearts many times confirming that it is the word of god and uh, we read about apologetics okay is good okay there's nothing wrong in that you know we had some excellent apologetics uh, apologists uh, that's good but then god does not need a human being to defend him or the word or the truthfulness of god's word Okay, but definitely God needs you and me to explain God's truth. So the Bible is not like any other book that you and I read. We have to understand that neither it is a, it's a, a lucky bit book to get some guidance. You know, it is reducing God's word to our own selfish manipulation. It is not that, you know, you open the Bible and then you keep your finger in one particular place uh, to find uh, what is God's word saying and what is God's will. 
and uh, you know it is not like that you know god uh, there are people i know pastors you know who have taken decisions based on such a method pastors they pray fast and pray whole day and then at the end they will open the bible and they will put their finger and whichever scripture the finger uh, lands they will take it as god is speaking and they will take decisions you know how immature it is how uh, how dangerous it is you know we are reducing of god god's word to a lucky bit you know you pick out one number if the number is matching with the, you know your luck or the with the, with the number that the, the organizers have then you get a gift it's not like that you know bible can is is a, is but when you read you and i should read it you know like any other book you know other truth and and we should learn to understand it in simple terms and also remember scripture sanctify our hearts that's very important you know bible sanctifies our heart jesus said thy word is truth sanctify them with thy word thy word is truth so whenever we come to scriptures you know it is important that scripture should cleanse us you know we should allow the scripture to challenge our hearts challenge our thinking challenge our selfishness challenge our lust our anger you know our human frailties and weakness scripture should stand supreme and when the bible says don't be angry uh, that means don't be angry i can give reason my wife said like this my husband said like this my children did like this this man did like this this lady did like that so i got angry yes i can justify it, but bible stands supreme okay it is there to sanctify when the bible says don't get angry i have to ask god lord forgive me for getting angry and uh, you know and cleanse me with the precious blood and sanctifying of our hearts is uh, very vital for our minds to be free to hear what the word is saying further you understand when a truth is given i'm not going to act on the truth then what i'm going to do is i'm going to allow those scriptures or the the truth that has come to me which i have not acted upon as a hindrance for me to learn further because my stubbornness is going to stop the effectiveness of god's word in me and for me to learn further from god's word is going to be very very difficult and we should understand this very carefully the next one is read the bible existentially you know it means as if you are there in that scene you know you, you are there in that scene and that's very important because uh, Uh, we read the bible you know and uh, we don't sometimes we don't picture we don't picture for example uh, psalm 23 when you read you know it's a beautiful psalm and as you read i'm sure you can you can picture the green pastures the living water the clear water that are flowing or it is there the still water sorry the clear still water it is there the green pasture the shepherd leading and going and with the star with the, with the staff and then the uh, sheep lying down after a fruitful uh, meal you know and uh, lying down and resting then the valley of shadow of death how it looks these things can really help us to understand the bible more clearly and we will be able to interpret it better so whenever you're reading this read this as if you are there the scripture that i wanted to give you uh, is uh, scripture that i want to give you is from leviticus 10 uh, here it says we must crawl you know we must crawl into the skin of the bible characters are reading about 
this uh, will begin to shape us. We have to crawl, crawl into the skin. That means uh, we have to think of ourselves like as if it's happening to me. Okay, as if it's happening to me. And I'm sure the Bible will become more alive. I uh, wanted to read to you from Leviticus 10, 1 to 3. It talks about Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of what he said. Among those who approach me, I will be fully. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. You know, this is a very sad um, uh, story of what happened. Uh, Aaron's two sons getting killed. Think of it. I am in Aaron's shoes. I am in his skin. I am there. Or you are there. We have our children. Our children, you know, do something and they get killed immediately by a divine fire. And if Imagine how our hearts will be. You think Aaron would have kept quiet? I'm sure Aaron would have felt sad. He would have wept. And he would have even lamented. He would have even questioned God. Okay. And, um, and he would have taken hold of Moses and shaken him and said, Moses, what has happened? Why did you? You know, I would have been happy with my children there. But you brought me, and today I came with you to the king of uh, Egypt, and we brought the people. Today my two sons are dead. You can understand, you know, you can put yourself there and you know, imagine how Aaron could have understood. You would understand, you would be able to interpret the scripture. Right? And then, how did he remain silent? Because Moses said, then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord's spoke of and he said, among those of me, I will be fruitful in the sight of all the people, I will be honored. And here the Bible says, Aaron remained silent. Aaron remained silent. Uh, think how, you know, Aaron would have felt when this happened and his sons were wiped out. Verse 3 will shut our mouth if God speaks for us. Definitely. And by putting ourselves in this life situation of the Bible character, we will be able to learn much better. We will be able to really appreciate God's word better. Even one more example I can give you, I think I gave you before, is in Matthew chapter 4, the last few verses, 23 onwards, it talks about uh, different areas. It talks about Galilee. It talks about beyond Jordan, Judea, Decapolis, and then Syria. You know, if you go to a map and see, and then huge crowds following in the dusty roads of Palestine. You can understand if there is a dusty road and if a huge crowd is running to come closer to Jesus, how it would have been if I was there, how the scene would have been. I'm sure the dust would have gone up on, you know, high. Everywhere dust, people would have closed their mouth and walked. And as you picture, you know, it will really make Bible very interesting. And this will help you, aid you in, in interpreting the Bible properly. You'll be able to understand the situation and you'll be able to uh, speak, you know, understand the scripture, interpret the scripture well. And the next one is uh, interpret the historical narratives by the didactic. Narratives. See, you, you, I will, uh, 
output is built, if an engineer begins to explain, I'm sure you will not be able to explain in just about few lines. Okay, he has to, if it's going to detail, it's going to take a lot of volume of stuff. So <coughs> Bible is just giving us how God created, that's all. He doesn't go into the detail of that. So you can't uh, read it as a scientific book. And uh, please understand, there are many, uh, uh, okay, I've, I've, I've jumped now, I'm sorry. Uh, there are many uh, different challenges to the authority of scripture, like inerrancy, authority, inspiration, and but of late, it is interpretation. You know, earlier challenges that came to God's word, it was inerrancy, is the Bible without errant, uh, without error. And uh, but also the church is there. Okay, they add the church along with the Bible and uh, they say that church also got the authority. There was a man. And now I remember the story that I did today, um, very interesting, um, about creation. It says that just Gabriel's hand, Satan uh, grabs it and he goes away. And there was a fight. Gabriel doesn't give up. He goes and fights with both of them. And then finally, Satan is able to push Gabriel and fly higher. And that time, um, Gabriel takes hold of the uh, tail of Satan and the tail comes up. Okay. And uh, he had nothing else to do. He took the tail and went to farm just to go. And, and from there, they say, from the devil's tail was taken the women. I'm just joking, don't feel bad. Okay. Uh, what I'm saying is there are stories that can go on and on and on. And uh, there, there will be people who believe such stories. Okay. There will be people who believe such stories. And do not build, do not build a doctrine out of narratives. Be very, very careful. Be very careful. There are people who build doctrines out of uh, any story in the Bible. They uh, categorize it as if uh, it's meant to teach us some doctrines. 
you and I have to be very careful of that. And Abraham often Isaac, uh, God says, now I know, you know, to read uh, 22 of Genesis uh, in verse, God says, now I know, now I know. Does it mean, that is, now I know that uh, uh, you can do anything for me. Uh, uh, you can do anything, uh, I'm sorry, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. That's what God tells uh, Abraham. Now, um, Abraham, does it mean that God did not know anything before that? Or God was really restless, wanting to know what Abraham will do? Will he offer eyes up or will he refuse? No, this is a way of narrating God saying, yes, now it's confirmed. You love me. You have confirmed. You have proved that you have loved me. So you and I have to be very careful and come to a conclusion saying God does not know everything. God knows only something. God doesn't know everything. There are, there are uh, doctrines. There are people who teach all that. You have to be very careful. And then the next one is interpret the implicit by the explicit. What does it mean? Okay. And uh, usually we can determine by what is said uh, and what is unsaid though implied. And uh, here we find angelic beings being sexless. The Bible tells us very clearly in Mark 12, 25, no marrying in heaven, but will be like angels. Okay. Uh, this implies that angels do not marry. Okay. No marrying in heaven. These imply the angels do not marry. But does it imply that the angels are sexless in heaven? It may be angels are sexless, but the text does not say so. You and I have to be very, very careful. There are things that are very explicit. Okay, it's uh, and some some things which are explained, some things which are implied. Okay, and when it says they are not married in heaven, there is no marriage in heaven, and uh, we are like the angel. That means in heaven there is no marriage. They don't marry. But it doesn't mean there is no. Um, Things as if they got a very special revelation. I told you uh, there can be no new revelation from the Bible. There can be fresh revelation. Okay, you and I can read the passage. We would have missed something earlier for several years. Not that I'm talking about one, one year or two years, but for several years, we could have missed understanding an important uh, passage and uh, or absorbing important truth in a passage. But over a period of time, suddenly something fresh will come up. Today, uh, when I was reading uh, the Bible, I saw something very fresh. Two days back, uh, when I was reading the uh, John Gospel of John chapter 17, something fresh, fresh came up to me. I was so happy. Four new things I was able to find what Jesus did. I have given you the word. I have given them the word. I have glorified your name. I have uh, given your name to them. You know, those you know, four things which uh, Jesus says. You know, these things come very fresh when we read a passage. Uh, and so you and I have to be very, very careful. So there's no fresh, there's no new revelation, but fresh revelation, yes. When you read tomorrow a passage, there will be a fresh revelation from you. You would have read it many times. You would not have gathered, but you will still get some fresh revelation. But never think that you know new revelations are coming because all these years, for several years, God has never hidden things from the saints. He has already revealed the truth to the people. 
And those truths are being explained to you and me uh, through uh, different scholars. And it's only gone deeper and deeper. And they were, you know, the new uh, archaeological excavations have brought in new things, new findings have brought in new information, but nothing new revelation from God's word. Please understand that. And also uh, determine carefully the meaning of words. That's extremely important. Okay, uh, Bible is filled with words. And uh, as it is a book to communicate, it is filled with words. And uh, must seek to study words, not just from an English dictionary, but also from Bible dictionary. Okay, it will help us uh, to learn how a particular word was used in the context of the Bible time. It will help us to learn how a uh, you know, particular word was used in the context of the Bible time. For example, when you talk about type, um, we all know type means pen. And um, one uh, 10 portion of a 100 or one portion of a 10, a 10 of everything. Now, when you read, from a Bible dictionary, the meaning of type, you will get to know uh, how the word was derived and how we get the English word type now. What did it mean then? What did it mean now? So you and I can really uh, learn from uh, the dictionary, both the English dictionary as well as a Bible dictionary. Yesterday, a friend of mine from Kerala sent me a forward about Kingdom of God. I was reading it. And I was so uh, so blessed because there was one information that really opened my understanding because he, uh, he explained. Then I asked him, uh, and it's an eye-opener to me. We were close friends. I told him, it's an eye-opener to me, something which I have not known all this while. I've learned something from your short writing. And uh, then I asked him, what is the source? Then immediately he sent me the source uh, saying that, a new Bible dictionary, the source of the new Bible dictionary. And there in the new Bible dictionary, a whole lot of information is given about that particular topic that he has, uh, that he has written about. So there it helps us to understand something which I did not know. I was able to learn from a friend. When I asked him the source, he tells me that he has learned it from a Bible dictionary. Okay. And uh, etymology is the science of word derivatives. Please understand that. Okay, and it's very, very important. And um, you, hippopotamus, it's taken from Greek uh, words, okay, from Greek. Uh, and there are two words that is mentioned, uh, taken from uh, Greek words, not from, from, I put it, sorry, Greek word. Hippo means horse, potamus means river. It means river horse. Okay, how do you get it? We, we get it because we go through... Uh, dictionary that helps us to understand what is hippopotamus. We call it hippopotamus, hippopotamus, without knowing the meaning. I do not know if you have known the meaning, but I didn't know the meaning until I was going through my study and I learned it uh, last week about hippopotamus. And the uh, meaning of words undergo change. Okay, today when they say the girl is cute, uh, the little girl, baby is cute, uh, it means uh, beauty, not it's pretty, beautiful, attractive. But you know, in the Elizabethan uh, period, uh, cute means bow legged. Cute means bow legged. Just think of it, how the word has undergone changes. And uh, you and I have to be very careful what it means. And then we talk about love everyone. In the Bible, we read that word, uh, love one another. There is a group 
I do not know whether I mentioned, there is a group called Children of God. Now they've changed the meaning. I don't know what is the name of the organization now. Earlier it was Children of God. Then they changed the music with meaning. And um, that group uh, talks about, uh, they talk about uh, love, love everyone, or love one another means in their community, there is no husband and wife relationship. It means anyone can, you know, uh, have physical relationship with anyone in the community. And they use one, the Bible, love one another. So you and I have to be very careful how we understand the word in the Bible. The next one, uh, note the presence of parallelism in the Bible. Okay. And uh, parallelism has got a, a, a knack and uh, a, um, a way of explaining some beautiful things. The same thought in a slightly altered manner of expression is given. That's called as uh, synonymous parallelism. Uh, Proverbs 19.5. Here you find a false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Now, false witness and he that speaketh lies are same. Okay. Unpunished or shall not escape is just the same. The first, the second line is slightly altered from the first line, but it expresses the same meaning. You understand? So you and I have to be uh, very careful of noting this parallelism. There's another scripture. You find that in uh, Psalm 95 verse, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. And then he says, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And both amongst the same, worship and bow down, kneel before our Lord our maker. And here you find that, you know, the first, second line is slightly altered from the first line uh, to explain to us uh, things better. Then you find uh, they say the same thing, but say it by way of negation or it's called as antithetic. I'm just giving you uh, two of parallelism. There are many parallelism, different types of parallelism. You find that in Hebrews, you find that in Psalms, you find that in, um, in Ecclesiastes and other books of the Bible. So you have to be very careful. They say the same thing, but say it by way of negation or antithetic. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. Okay. A wise Son heeds his father. It's a positive one. But the same thing is said in the second part in a negative way, but a mocker does not respond to the view. So you find that uh, these things part of, are part of uh, the Hebrew uh, vocabulary. So when you're reading the Bible, you cannot get confused with these uh, parallelisms, but it's over a period of time you will learn. You will learn uh, how to read it, okay, as you practice it. The next one is. Note the differences between Proverbs and the law. And Proverbs are catchy uh, couplets and, uh, you know, that are designed to express practical truism. They do not reflect moral laws. For example, look before you leave and he who hesitates is lost. Now the two things are there. Look before you leave. We have all seen that. Does it mean that, you no, know, you can look before you leave? And um, you can leave from anywhere to anywhere. And he who hesitates is lost. For example, you know, you hesitate to cross the road when the traffic is there. Do you get lost? No. Look before you leave tells us to analyze the consequences of our actions. On the other hand, those who hesitate to take decisions are lost. But if you look before you 
But if we look before we leave, we must hesitate. We must think of, we must see the consequence, we must see whether we can do it. So he who hesitates to look before the leap are lost. That is, if you hesitate to look before you leave, then you're getting into trouble. You understand? So you have to be very careful of the differences and problems when it gives a problem. And uh, you and I have to be extremely careful when we understand, when we begin to read uh, these, uh, uh, these uh, portions uh, in the Bible. And then you'll find, uh, I'm running fast because I want to go to John chapter 8. These are just the rules which I'll be giving you uh, in full and we will be able to go through. Observe the difference between the spirit and the letter of the law. You know, that's very, very important. And uh, what the Jews did is Sabbath day's journey. The Bible talks about Sabbath day's journey. That means on a Sabbath day, the Jews were permitted to walk only a certain distance. They were not allowed to walk further than that. That means if they walk further than that, that means they're breaking the law. They're not observing the Sabbath. So Jews did, some of the Jews, what they would do from maybe if it says a kilometer, they can walk. I'm just giving an example, not an exact kilometer. A kilometer they can walk on the Sabbath, but at the 900 meters, they would keep an object. They would go into the house, slow there, pick it up, be there. Or they would allow somebody to keep something there. They would always have an understanding. Then once they finish there, they would take and walk to the next mile, uh, next uh, 900 kilometers. And uh, they would walk there and pick up something. You understand? They would, they would follow the letter okay, of the law, but not the spirit, not the spirit. And when it talks about Jesus was speaking about lust and adultery and uh, adultery, okay, it is, uh, it is the letter of the law, okay, a letter, okay, a physical uh, relationship with someone other than the wife, a husband, adultery. And uh, here it talks about lust and Jesus was talking about lust. It says, uh, see, Bible talks about adultery, fine. Old Testament talks about adultery. He said, but if you look at a woman with lust, a man with lust, you have committed adultery already in your heart. What did he mean? He said, it is not just the letter that practically you do something, then only you're committing sin. No, you are committing sin by just having an evil thought in your heart itself. So, I'm not, I'm not, no, a man can watch or I can watch uh, unwanted stuff on my mobile or my laptop or my TV. And then it's, I'm not, I'm only watching what is happening. I'm not doing it. No, God doesn't say that. It says, you know, the spirit and the letter of the law, we have to differentiate. Both are important. The letter of the law is telling me what not to do. The spirit of the law, you know, should refrain me from doing. You understand? And even anger and murder. Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, you've already you know, murdered somebody. You've already murdered somebody. I may not have taken a knife and kill somebody. So I have to be extremely careful. Then be care careful with parables. And uh, there is an element of concealment in the parables. Okay. And um, even disciples had to ask Jesus for the meaning. Please note. When Jesus was there, when he was giving parables, Jesus, the disciples had to go unto Jesus. What does it mean? Can you tell us? And uh, also, uh, you should understand there is an original intent of the parable. There is no doctrine of a parable. There are people who, who, who 
bring out doctrines out of parables. Be very careful. There's no, um, uh, no parable uh, doctrine. There is an original example when you when Jesus was speaking about the good Samaritan. There is a reason why because the Jews, the the disciples are are the people that the Jews are. Who are my who are my neighbor? Who are, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gives a parable. Okay, so there is an intent of the parable, and almost all parables have one central meaning. However, prodigal son has more than one meaning. Okay, scholars say prodigal son. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus was trying to not only talk about God's love for the son who was lost and gone into evil ways, but it also was a, a, a invitation to the Jews to tell the Jews that they are the original children, but they have gone, they have lost themselves and gone okay. and uh, or the, uh, the eldest son is like the Jews when Jesus is going for the uh, Gentiles to save them or the prodigal son the uh, Jews are very upset so there is more than one meaning okay, in prodigal son but, uh, but it's not for all the uh, parables very few parables like that and it will help you to understand and then the tenth one only 11 points there then we go to be careful with predictive for Prophecy, that's very important. Okay, handling uh, predictive prophecy is one of the uh, most uh, uh, abused forms of biblical interpretation. Okay, and the order of predictive prophecy. Uh, predictive prophecy, uh, the prophecies in the Old Testament about what's going to happen in the future, or even in the book of Revelation, okay, what's going to happen in the future. So you and I have to be very careful. One example I want to give you is the Malachi chapter. Uh, four verses five and six. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents uh, to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Here, Malachi prophecy prophesies about prophet Elijah that one day he will come. I will send the prophet to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. It talks about great and dreadful day of the Lord. Uh, when it talks about great and dreadful day of the Lord, it talks about the last days also. Okay. But at the same time, uh, we should know that in the gospel, uh, you find uh, that how in John chapter 1 verse 19 to 28, it will read, uh, the people come and ask, are you the Messiah? Or uh, they ask John the Baptist. Then he said, no. Then they ask, are you Elijah? He says, no. That's what he says. And uh, immediately you can't come to a conclusion that John the Baptist is Elijah or not the Elijah. Because you find in another uh, scripture, Mark chapter 9, 12 to 13, Jesus replied to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. Elijah say, uh, John the Baptist say, I'm not Elijah. But here, Jesus says, Eli Elijah has come. Elijah has come and done this. And uh, But if you read the next term, uh, scripture that I'm giving you, Matthew chapter 11, 13 to 15, for all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John and if you are willing to accept it he is Elijah who was to come over years let him hear 
over years, let him hear. Here you find this. If you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah. It's not exact Elijah because in the next chapter, the next verse that I'm giving you, in Luke chapter uh, 1, 17, it says, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here it says he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And whereas Jesus said, if you are willing to accept it, yes, John the Baptist is Elijah. It does not mean that John the Baptist is Elijah incarnate. Okay. From these predictive prophecies about John the Baptist, when you look into different scriptures, you'll finally come to a conclusion what Jesus meant in Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. Yes, it is, uh, it is, uh, he will go before in the power and spirit of Elijah. Okay, he's got that calling of Elijah, the anointing of Elijah to carry out the mission of God. So you and I have to be extremely careful. Same thing. You can find that in the book of Ezekiel, Revelation, and Daniel. You know, they have lots of uh, apocalyptic uh, material. It is difficult, and some are hard, but it is not impossible to learn, to interpret. Okay, over a period of time, discipline, study will help you understand. Go through some good scholars, scholarly writing. People have spent their lifetime, lifetime studying. I know a friend of mine who did this MTH. Okay, Master of uh, Theology, his um, thesis on the dates in the Old Testament. How the dates in the Old Testament are so accurate. He did a study, a thesis, and he presented it. You know, so people have gone into the Bible and death, each one, some of them have really spent time to study about one thing, the thing, and you can uh, land up. If you're hungry and thirsty, you will be able to really learn all that. And finally, I wanted to tell you this in immediate and in the future. All the predictive prophecies in the Bible has an immediate and the future. For example, when it talks about Jesus being born, you know, the government shall be upon his shoulder. You know, a virgin shall uh, you know, conceive and have a child. You know, it talks about, if you read the Bible, the Old Testament talks about the immediate uh, the, uh, fulfillment of the prophecy. There was a child born, a virgin, you know, uh, having a child. But it talks also about the future wherein Jesus was born in the future. So that's very important. And finally, interpret the Bible with the spirit of humility. Please understand we yeah, are humans of a fallen nature. They've already been corrupted by all types of earthly fallen human nature, you know, uh, anger, jealousy, pride, you know, and uh, spitefulness, deceit, malicious intent, speaking ill of others, slandering, backbiting, carrying tales, covetousness, greediness, love of money, anxiety, fear, jealousy, uh, uh, foolishness, lying, so many things, we are corrupted, we have taken the human uh, nature for a long time inside us. We have lived that condition. And the grace of God has saved us, given us salvation, transforming us. Please understand, 
that we are so evil in our lives. We are not great saints. We are moving towards that sainthood because the Spirit of God is working. So you and I should study and interpret the Bible with a spirit of humility. And uh, you, you and I don't become humble uh, by knowing more of scripture, but allowing even a fraction, a small amount of scripture to transform us will help us. And Martin Luther said, the Holy Scripture requires a humble reader who shows a reverence and fear toward the word of God and constantly says, teach me, teach me, and teach me. That's what he says. And finally, you can see the misleading the What does that say? And I answered it. You know what you told in front of I'm not ashamed to say, I am ashamed, but at the same time, I wanted to show you how frail we are and how uh, wrong we are. You know, an answer. And he looked at me and very loud, you know, others were in the office. He said, you pastors don't read your Bible properly. In fact, I read, but I misread the text. You understand? I misread the text. And you openly told me, and which was an eye-opener to me. It was a rebuke to me. It was a correction to me. I was not angry at him. I felt ashamed, but at the same time, I was not angry. Misreading the text, we all do that. We listen to Sunday school stories. We have listened to preachers sing. And then with that thing in mind, we go to read the Bible. And uh, then we read the Bible, but we keep that in mind. Then next one is distorting the text. This is uh, making the text say what you want. Okay, you go to the Bible and you want to wanted to learn what you want or you want to take a decision and you're looking for this text where if the Bible says go and do it or uh, no, do it, go, decide, something like that. One particular word, we distort this text because uh, we want to make the text say what we want, contradicting the text, misusing scripture to authorize sin. I told you about that man. He told his wife straight away, why can't I be like the Old Testament people? Okay, marry more than one wife, and subjectivity. What does this mean to me? You know, we're not looking at what does the Bible says, objective. They're subjective. I have my own uh, ideas. I have my own doctrines. There are some people who are very passionate about the doctrine. Any scripture they spoke, they were trying to fit their doctrine into that scripture. Relativism, the idea that the meaning changes over time. Please understand. I told you the idea that the meaning changes over time. You and I have to be very careful how we interpret it and overconfident. The process of interpretation is overconfident. We I know the scripture, I know the chapter. This is what it means. I know something, I know the Lord's prayer. You understand? So when we have all this in our mind, then we will have pitfalls for interpretation. I just uh, I'm just giving you a very brief. Uh, gist so that you can learn and understand. Okay, and the notes will be given to you. Go through it. Now, coming back to John chapter uh, 13. Can we go to John chapter 13, please? Have you done the work? Can you unmute and let me know? Nobody is. 
Yes. Giving me an answer. Should I take it that nobody did it? First, yes. I have not attend the study last week. Pardon me? Last week, I have not attend the okay. study. Okay. I was out of station. Okay. Okay, we'll turn to John chapter 13. It's a very um, familiar passage for all of us. Onwards. Jesus. Yeah, you know, he loved them to the end. You know, having loved the old that are his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. Thank you. Thank you. Correct. Then that's what I to told. Yes? His, no, the, the same thing I told. Okay, same thing. Okay, good. And uh, he humbled himself. He? Uh, he set an example of his uh, to be humble. Okay, he set an example to be humble. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? 
Okay. Uh, good. Uh, all of you have almost all of you are able to pick up is uh, you know one point. Um, now, reading this, uh, you have to know when is the time Passover. Okay. Now, mm, the feast of the Passover. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world and go to the Father. You no, know, he had no. Jesus knows his timing. And uh, as uh, you said, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And um, he never, uh, to the end, uh, you know, you can go on, you know, studying about the end. And you find that uh, he never let them. He never left them. Okay, even though they left and went, he never left them. He came back to them. He came back to them. Uh, if you read uh, Mark chapter 16, uh, that's a very touching uh, thing that the scripture that really uh, caught my attention in, in, in a book, I think, by Deal Moody. And um, um, it says, Go and tell my disciples and Peter. Mark chapter 16. Verse 17, Pastor. Which one? Seven. Seven. But go tell his disciples. And yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. It says in seven, go tell his disciples and Peter. Especially Peter. His name is mentioned. You know, think of the love of God, you know, love of Jesus. And... Um, could have said, you know, uh, tell his disciples. Peter was also a disciple. Either Peter has left and gone thinking, I'm not going to be a disciple. But, and Peter denied. But here, Jesus is cho choosing to give that word, disciples and Peter, to show his love, amazing love of God. Of course, you know, he loved them till the end. Okay, that's good. And uh, then now he goes to a second. And supper being ended, they will have already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. You know, Judas is now driven towards the uh, uh, demonic uh, activity. He has accepted what the devil has uh, given him. For a long time, he was battling and here he gives him finally. And knowing all this, and um, the Bible says Jesus, and that's just, he knows that Judas is going to betray him, number two. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. Think of it, all things, not like, you know, a, uh, you know a, 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 a responsibility that you and I get in this world. A political responsibility, or a spiritual responsibility. He's not talking about like that. Having, knowing that the Father had given all, all things into his hand. Everything. Humans, the whole world power over death, everything he has given into his hand. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Three things, please note. Three things are there. Simon, Peter, I'm sorry, this is Judas, knowing that Judas is going to betray, he knew that very well. He knew very well that where he came from and uh, that God has given all things into his hand. The father, his father has given all things to him. Second, thirdly, that he had come from God and was going to God. Look at the, the exalted stature of Jesus. That's one side. Somebody mentioned about humility. Thank you. 
on one side the exalted stature of Jesus, on the other side you find he rose from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water. So one side there is an exalted uh, picture of Jesus, his stature, on one side. On the other side, his action. You understand? His action. He's willing to go down to wash the feet of the disciples. Today we find in some churches, they wash the feet of the, uh, one another. That's, no, I'm not against it. It's good. Uh, but here it is entirely a different thing. It was not equal. It was an unequal act. Jesus washing our feet. And he shows, he shows his humility, his love, you know, his, uh, his giving himself as a servant to the people. You understand? So when you are needy, take time, line by line, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, sit down, ponder, and how the writer is trying to bring out a logical flow, either from high to low or low to high. High to low or low to high. Here you find it from high, he brings it to the lowest. But in God's sight, and for you and me, it is one of the height of God's love and humility of Jesus. Okay. And if you can take time to uh, observe these, and you can interpret and apply to your heart. And last week, uh, the, the last week, uh, that is uh, next week, class, is going to be an application. We'll quickly go through application and we will go through some passages, how you and I can pick out some principles from God's word and apply it to our life. That's very, very important. And we will be closing next week. And so we want all of you to please uh, keep yourself free, join us. And uh, I will also, given all the notes, I've kept all the emails uh, uh, together with me and I will be sending that uh, email once I finish my final notes, because I felt that um, better to send all the notes together, you know, in attachments, so that you'll have everything in a proper order. And I will do that. Uh, at the end, I will do it to all. Okay, any questions? So any questions? Okay, next week, in case when you're reading, you when you read your scriptures all this while, you had any questions arising which you, which you wanted to clarify or you wanted to say something which has ministered to you when you read afresh, when you learned something afresh as you read. Hello? Hello? Pastor, your video is lagging, Pastor. Video is lagging. Audio is working. Audio, Audio is working. Audio is okay. Okay, Pastor. Now it is okay. Okay. I'll, I don't know the video. I'll just uh, pray now and I'll close. Father, I thank you for all of us, we thank you for helping us to come into your presence, to, to study together. Lord, help us, Lord, to go through these rules of interpretation. 
help us to know interpreting the word is not easy it is neither difficult it needs discipline careful observation and study and when we are humble we will be able to understand your word help us to know that we are frail human beings with so much of fallen nature inside us human nature human fallen nature nature of the world is inside us lord that's a huge disadvantage for us to learn and understand your word but at the same time we thank you for your holy spirit who is available for all of us for a transformation we pray that you would help us through the power of your holy spirit word would sanctify build us and use us in the name of jesus we pray amen amen, amen.